This is RDQI. This week, we take a departure from the hard and fast economics of value and discuss value in some different contexts. And what better way to do that than to bring our first guest onto the RDQI podcast? Eric is a longtime friend of both Ryan and I, and he's also a professional chef. In this episode, we talk to Eric about what it means to be a chef, what it's like in the kitchen of one of the craziest, busiest restaurants around. And we help him evaluate whether this life is really sustainable for him long term. It's an interesting take on value, and you will definitely get a kick out of Eric's restaurant stories. So this one's definitely worth checking out. Hope you enjoy the episode. What are you wearing, Jake? Why nothing? Nothing at all. Because Freedom Eagle Insurance has got me covered. I don't have to wear clothes anymore. Freedom Eagle Insurance, covering you so you don't have to wear clothes anymore. Freedom Eagle Insurance is not liable for anything happens to you while you're wearing clothes or not wearing clothes. We may cancel your service at any time. Not available in Delaware. Dave, do you think the life of a chef is sustainable? Well, it's really funny that uh, you should mention that because we have somebody who is has a much better understanding of what it is to be a chef and can probably answer that question a lot better for us. <laughs> so what do you think, Eric? Well, hey, hey guys. Uh, oh, thanks, hey. thanks for having me on the the RDQI podcast. It's great to be here. Of course. Glad um, to have you. That is a wonderful question, Dave. Um, it's something that I've definitely thought about over the last probably what, almost 10 years now working in kitchens. Um, is that is the this life sustainable? Um I really, I think it really depends on the person. Uh, and I know that's a very, very like broad question that doesn't answer it, but, um, being in a kitchen, you know, and anyone that's never been in a kitchen or or worked in one, like it's not, it's not an easy place to, uh, to work, you know, but, uh, it's a, a lot of noises, a lot of stuff going on all the time, you know, people's screaming and yelling at you or whatever, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. Can I, can I ask you a question? What, what are the elements in what you do right now that are making you think maybe this isn't sustainable? This is a perfect, this is a great question. Um, I think now the big thing for me is, um, Wanting to spend more time with my family and friends. Um, so schedule, I guess, you know, uh, the length of shifts, you know, like there's really an eight hour shift doesn't really exist. Sure. How, how many hours a week do you work and then like per day? Well, periods of time. Currently, things are a little different. So I don't know if I'll use current, but I guess average um, over the jobs that I've had uh I mean, I would say, you know, at least 55 to 60 hours is kind of normal. And then, you know, if you get into the holiday season and whatever, or you're short, you know, you could be pulling, pulling more than that. Is there, in your experience, is there a way where you could just work a 40 hour week and like work that out with your employer? (laughs) You want to be a part-time, you want to be a cook? (laughs) You you (laughs) want to be a line cook? Sure, man. You want to be my broiler cook? I'll hire you tomorrow. Uh, cause you're not getting more than 40. You can't have that overtime, man. Gotcha. Um, so then what's the yeah. difference? And I know the three of us know this, but what's the difference between a chef and a cook? 
Uh, well, you're in charge of everything, being a chef. And uh, being a cook, you're kind of just in charge of your station and what food you decide to put in the window. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. people that I worked for in the past have, you know, the easiest way he described it to me was like, listen, Eric, we're standing right here. Say we're standing by the prep table. And he points over to the dish tank and he's like, well, do you know your dishwasher's on a cell phone right now? And I'm like, no. And he's like, well, why not? And I'm like, uh, you know, I didn't have an answer, you know, but he was trying to drill into my head of like, listen, this is your kitchen. You know, this is your show and you need to know what's going on, who's where, what's happening, what's fired, what's done, what's working, you know, <clears throat> when's that catering order going to be ready? Banquets, when are they getting fired? You know, when's apps hitting tables when, you know, I mean, there's a thousand things. So, you know, everything's ultimately your responsibility. So the difference between just sitting on a station and cooking food, you know, to be honest, it's a lot more fun. So chef's management, like you're managing the kitchen. Totally. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're a manager. Depending on what you're doing and where you're working, I feel like you're more of a manager than you are really a cook. You know, like you're a cook at heart. That'll never go anywhere. I think any good chefs that are out there that I've run into, you know, it's they're a cook first, you know, and then the chef thing is just kind of the role that they've grew into because um, it's not for everybody, man. I mean, you know, we were talking about the schedule. I mean, weekends, holidays, you know, like you don't have holidays. Yeah. That's you when Christmas. you work. Yeah. You yeah, have Christmas. Right. That's about it, you know, so... But this is the thing, though. When you find something, because I think both of you guys in your life, excuse me, that's found something uh, like a career path that like you really, really enjoy, you know, like you can truly say that you love what you do. And I think at that point, you know, you could deal with a lot. You know, mm. you could handle a lot of stress and stuff and the, a lot of negative things because of the fact that you truly, truly enjoy what you do, you know. <clears throat> and that's, I think, you know, like the number one thing with a chef is that we really love cooking food for people and making people happy. You know, I think that's a huge element of, at least for me, of what I do because I, I like to make people happy and I try to do that with food. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this, because I mean, you know, <clears throat> you and I have played around with doing different, you know, business ideas in the kitchen, and I I've tried a little bit, you know, back in my twenties when I had the most energy I'll ever have, and I realized very quickly, wow, this this uh, there's no way I could do this life. It's the intensity, the the physicality, the um the stress, <laughs> you know, it's, mm. it's really out of this world. Um, a lot of career paths, um, kind of have plans or, or frameworks paths in place within the context of that career that help you age. So like in the finance world, for instance, you have a lot of, you know, the younger the younger kids are are doing the grunt work. They're doing the the spreadsheets. And right. They're doing the number crunching. And then as you move up, you kind of get into this managerial role where you're more making the decisions. But you're not like because as you get older, you just don't have that intensive energy anymore. Sure. I and this is as an outsider. I don't. I I see that as one of the bigger like 
problems in terms of, you know, lifetime sustainability because, you know, I'm talking about finance. Like this is something entirely different, right? right? You're on your feet for 12 hours a day. Oh no, totally. I would agree. I mean, I've, it's something that I've thought about definitely. Um, like, do I, can I, can I physically continue to do this? Can I mentally continue to put myself through this stuff over and over? And, um, I think for myself, it's something that I could do for a very, very long time if I wanted to. Um, but I think, you know, the more you work for people and the more corporations you work for and you kind of see how things are laid out and how they actually operate and run and stuff, at least for me, it's, it's turned me on to wanting to try to <clears throat> like start something of my own, sure. you know, and kind of put, put an outlet of that, of like all the experience and things that I've went through are, are, are so valuable by running, you know, large operations in large kitchens that I think it could be a great segue to do something like that to where I could kind of shape something to help that, that age, you know what I mean? That idea of that, because really if it comes down to it, you know, at least for me working for corporate restaurants, to be honest, you know, there isn't much age out. There's not many roles for people that get older that may continue to still be able to do it, but can't really, you know, physically maybe do the role. Sure. You know, there's like a huge it'd be cost like a, associated with it, the work. Well, yeah. And it could be, and really you're looking at maybe like head of culinary or like your area director, maybe more, you're way more office work, you know, but it's still not the same. Like, you know, that idea of the chef thing, like it could definitely catch up to you. Yeah. And I think one, I think one interesting thing is I think most the average human, at least the average American, their perception of a chef is, from a chef cooking show, whether it's a competition or someone just teaching you how to do a recipe. And that's a very, oh, yeah. that's going to be a poor conception because A, there's there's lighting, there's camera work, there's good makeup work. Um, there's not really a stiff deadline like you actually face in a restaurant. I mean, sure, there's a time constraint, but it's right. not like... Yeah, it's nothing of what the actual reality of working a Saturday night in a very busy restaurant is. Yeah, it's not like yeah, the, it's no. not like the judges are coming in and be like, actually, sorry, sorry, table three, they don't want shrimp and the linguine, and table five is actually gluten intolerant. That doesn't happen in a chef cooking show, right? At least that I no. know of. I mean, I think that one of the best traits of it makes a great chef is a problem solver. Because if you think about it, the majority of my job is solving the problem in many different assets. Like if you're truly in a position where you're running a kitchen where you're able to manage by walking around and you're not having to be stuck into like a station or something like that, but you could really, you're not in the daily work. You're just kind of observing the daily work. Um, yeah, it's, it's much more of a, what did I say? Problem solving. Problem solver. Thank you. Hey, hey. It's kind of like um, would it would you agree with this analogy? It's kind of like you're you're the one that's directing the energies of all the individuals, so that the overall totally. goal, which is let's make sure right. that customer has a good meal, a good experience, and then wants to come back. Because if you're a restaurant, and you don't have people coming back, you won't be open very long. So True. Is that? Totally. Do you think that's a good analogy for it? Totally. No, absolutely. I mean. The, the way that I always kind of thought about it, like at least in my, my own kind of sense of being a manager is like, Hey, like I have these people, they work for me 
And to be honest, like I want to get to know them. Like I want to get to know them. I want to get to know their names, their family, understand them, understand their mannerisms and their attitude, and then be able to just work with it, you know, and be able to like care about them and show them because if, if they feel like they have that sense of belonging, right? Like they're going to want to do the work, you know, they're going to want to stand on that line for 12 hours in the heat, you know, sweating their buns off, you know, while you're, you know, telling them that you need something that they already made, but the server gave it to the wrong table. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of just one of those things where it's like, you know, it's, it's really essential, man. And, and being able to get that morale together because that when you are that chef, that person in front, just like you said, man, it's you're guiding the energy, but you also exude the energy. So if it's positive or negative, it can go one way or the other. So if you're in a very bad mood and you're stepping up on that wheel and you start running a service, everyone feels it, you know, regardless if it's good or bad. And if it's bad and you're on the line, it's like, all right, well, it's going to be one of those nights, you know, like, all right, time to kind of see. Chef, Chef John, he's in a real bad mood tonight, you know, like, but it, it's so different than other places, you know, it's crazy. A kitchen is, kitchen's a jungle, man. Like it really is. And it, it's, 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 <laughs> it's a rough and tumble place, man. Like you got to know your role and it's. So I want to, I want to talk about that because you and I have had a ton of conversations um, and especially with, you know, you and I have kind of like progressed in our careers or along the same trajectory. <clears throat> and, you know, you and I were, you and I could talk management back and forth for hours right. because what, like the, what I've noticed is that, you know, management for what I do and management for what you do, if you ignore like the thing that you're actually doing, it's, it's a lot of the same stuff, like conceptually. Totally. Take, take the, the work out of it. Right. But the, the the sense of just the management process, absolutely. They're very similar. The difference that I, like really the only difference that I've noticed is that my stories are a little bit calmer than your stories. Your stories are much, much more intense. And, and I guess, I, I think, you know, if you've if you've read Anthony Bourdain, if you watch Chef's Table, if you're if you're one of those people who who kind of know a little bit about um, or know the baseline that like being a chef is probably one of the hardest jobs around. Um, the a lot of so like my industry has gone through this transformation um, of okay like. We want to treat our employees as best as we possibly can. We want to make, you know, everything a very conducive, wonderful work environment. We want to, you know, like that's, that's kind of, you've, I mean, I've seen that throughout my small career, but you can just look back historically, like it wasn't always the case, but now it, it is. It's just, you know, it's, it's all about the employee and, and giving them a safe work environment, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that's really happened in the kitchen world. Um, not really. I mean, I think that they've made, they've made some improvements maybe, <laughs> um, but like just of what inherently what a kitchen is like it, you can't, you can't sugarcoat it. You can't really make it, uh, 
more like oh more conducive to not having you there or like less stressful or you know what i mean like when Mm -hmm. you're dealing with hospitality and dealing with you know a family that came to your restaurant they're spending their money at your place and their free time you know what i mean it's like a lot of people feel like they're entitled and feel like that things need to go a certain way and be be a certain thing to them Mm -hmm. you know Sure. And the majority of restaurants, that's what you want to do. You want to capture those moments and provide that and be the place for it. So, like, yeah, I, I don't really know how much time you could really give people off or, like, shorten days because you can't really make your labor more. You know what I mean? Like, can't expand things that way. Like, I think that they could do a way better job at taking care of their their chefs and their managers. Absolutely benefits and things like that yeah um improving those things for them you know i mean there are no such thing as six days sick days you know like we sure i mean now times maybe might be a little different with the what's going on in the world but you know my whole life man it didn't matter you know i had to go into work yeah i mean you know, sick if i was sick or whatever they don't exist it's it's suck it up and go get on the line and, and make man, sure you like, wash your hands like and you're saying that's like it. sick days, like that's not on the table, but that means everything else beyond it isn't. Like maternity or oh. paternity leave. <laughs> that's a joke. Right, right. You quit your job and then have to find yeah. a new one later. That's the way right. you take I mean, leave. Yeah, I mean it just there there really there isn't much, man. Like you, you dedicate your life to this pursuit of, you know, cooking food, man. You know, and everyone has a different level of what cooking food is for them you know there's people who want to you know really get into the gastronomy side of things and do real fine dining and you're talking michelin stars and stuff like that and you know there's people who are you know more in my book that have done more just kind of corporate big high volume places you know that's more about the operation and managing and and stuff like that but i mean they're all still intense extremely intense grueling you know working you know, 12, 14 hours without batting an eye. You know, you're mm-hmm. not getting breaks. There's no time to sit down. You know, I mean, I mean, I know there's laws in place, man, but they just, just kind of don't exist in the, <laughs> excuse me, in the, in the, in, in the restaurant world. Yeah, Is but- there part of like when you were in your twenties, did that appeal to you? Like, was oh, that- absolutely, man. I, that was something I did want to kind of touch on. Like when I found myself stepping into a kitchen Maybe not so much when I was a dishwasher because I was still kind of analyzing everything. Um, but once I really kind of settled into being prep slash line cook, like, oh, I loved it. I loved every second of it. I ate it up, dude. I mean, I live, you know, it's party hard, play hard, man. It was, you know, especially being in the band at the time and playing music, it was just like, man, like, I'm going to bust my butt, work super hard, make food, then go home and play gigs and hang out with friends. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I loved it. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't care. I didn't care that I worked at nights. I didn't care that I worked on the weekend. I didn't care that I was missing holidays. Yeah. You know, one question I'd like to ask you, and this is leading because I kind of know the answer, but because I mean, the three of us, we know besides you, Eric, we know plenty of chefs. Um, I've been connected right. to the restaurant industry in tangential ways for a long, long, long time. Right. And one thing I hear all the time is keeping a good line cook. Actually, no, let's not even do that. Keeping a good dishwasher might be the hardest thing to do as a chef. Do you yes. feel like that's true? 
Well, it kind of depends on what you mean by that. But I would say, because usually if you're talking about people progressing through your kitchen, because, you know, if if you really want to do things right, is you really only hire dishwashers. Because you ultimately shape the dishwashers to be your next prep cooks. And then you shape those next prep cooks to be your next line cooks, right? Mm -hmm. So you're really kind of like, you know, you're creating who you want to be and the people you want to have. So if you're doing stuff by that, like, oh, absolutely. Like, you get a real stud on the dish machine, man. It it sucks to see them go. You know, either they get a new job or that you want to promote them because they did everything you asked them to do. You know, and they showed you that they want to move up and they want to grow. I mean, it's kind of your duty at that point to give them, you know, the bump up, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> to that prep position. So, but how um, many people yeah, I mean, really want to join like their first job to be stuck in a dish pit for 12 hours? Nobody, a day? man. Nobody. That, that's why, work. that's why I think, I mean, dishwasher is the worst job in the kitchen. You know, it's, it's one of those, it's, you know, I, I've run into a few lifers. You know, like run into guys that you work at a place where it's like, this guy's worked dishes for 35 years and that's what he does, you know, mm. and his, you know, and, and he just, it's what, it, it's what it is. He has no aspiration of being a prep cook. He doesn't want to touch food, but he, but he's a dishwasher and he's a dishwasher morning and night. You know, he works at such and such in the morning and he works for you at night and he does it all day. Jeez. But they take so much pride in what they do. And that's like that old school kind of mentality, man, that like you don't see much nowadays is like, you know, you, you want to look at him and make fun of him or call him names or whatever. But it's like that guy has the, the highest standards in the kitchen. You know, mm. there ain't one dish that comes out of there that's dirty. He doesn't put it in the clean rack. You know, he keeps the station clean as it's going on. You know, he's breaking everything down at night the right way. He's putting everything back in the right place, you know. It's, there's a lot of things that you could do correctly and a lot of things you could do wrong, you know, so. Yeah. One one thing I've noticed was, um, so my wife was contemplating uh, moving into management and or like co-owning some sort of a restaurant, maybe a cafe concept. Something she was considering and have even some deep conversations with business people she knew through the industry. And right. she ended up getting into this position where she's like, Moving to management doesn't make sense. She was a server, um, a sommelier, beer sommelier, for reference, and a bartender. So she was front of house, which is very different than back of house. They're entirely right. different worlds. But for yep. her, moving to management didn't make sense because it included a pay cut. Because there's no more tips. There's no more, you know, the gratuitous income that servers depend on. Mm-hmm. Is it kind of the same when you're moving up from, like, line cook? Because you're, you're... it's. The kitchen is founded on a hierarchy. There is the low person on the totem pole, totem pole, and it goes all the way to the chef. And that's been right. that way for, what, centuries? I mean, it's basically mm-hmm. a military structure. Mm-hmm. So as you move up the, the ladder, do you feel as a, now that you're a chef, do you feel that you've been paid enough for how much work you've put in to get where you are? No. <laughs> totally not, man. <laughs> Underpaid, bro. All the way. Um there's no correlation. Like the back of house doesn't have the same example as the front of house would. Right. Like 
like the whole server bartender to being a manager totally. Because if depending on where you work as a server bartender, if you're good at serving or bartending, you will hand over fist make more money in a year by doing that than being the one walking around and being the sucker to count the money at the end of the night and close up the doors. <laughs> like, right. hands down. Now, in the kitchen, not really. You know, I mean, I think unless you're working at a at a real big corporate place that's probably got some really good bonuses and stuff set aside and your restaurant has a really good year, you know, no, I don't think at all that I get paid really what I should. I mean, maybe maybe not far off from what I what I should be making, but um, you know, that's definitely not worth the uh, you know, the actual what all what all comes with it, I guess. The baggage that comes by being a manager. So then Dave, from your perspective in finance, as you move up the ladder, do you feel that you get paid enough? Ooh. <laughs> um I mean that's really dependent on on a lot of different things. So like I I work kind of in parallel with um a lot of um highly skilled tech people with consultants and cons the, the consulting pay scale is just really ridiculous. So a lot of people, when you're working parallel with those people, you tend to get this little chip on your shoulder of like, well, it's no, I don't get paid enough because the consulting pay scale is just, I mean, probably more so than most industries, you know, <laughs> over rewards, like, accomplishment in the later years. But so, so interestingly, I, I was listening to a podcast with Nick Kokonis, who is the, the co-owner, um, behind Alinea and next and Royster in Chicago. And Alinea is one of the, the three-star Michelin restaurants in Chicago. Um, and you know, he is a very, very outspoken, um, thought leader within the restaurant industry. And he's, he's very outspoken about how, you know, they got rid of tipping 10 years ago at Alinea, right. And how they treat, you know, they, they, they treat all of their people as professionals, right? Like I think, especially in the front of the house, there's, there's the tendency to view front of the house as like a, um, you know, it's a, it's a transient job. And I right. mean, the, pay totally. scale and the benefits reflect that right i mean mm -hmm. think of all the people who lost their job under COVID. it was like yep. whoops sorry yeah Got right nothing oh, for you sorry for about that yeah but they've been you know he's he's keen to point out that he has you know 20 30 people on staff both front and back of the house who are making like you know two or potentially even over 200k a year um, cause he's like, look, these guys are highly, highly, highly skilled at what they do. And there needs to be a compensation structure in place to reflect that professionalism. Totally. Yeah. He's also operating a different type of restaurant. It's a $500 meal on the totally. low end. I think those numbers are exaggerated. Well, not exaggerated by what he does, but for what Ryan's talking about, but I've worked for a company dude that made I mean, it was a $14 million restaurant, $14 million. Yeah, and sorry, real, like in turn in revenue, uh, uh, total sales. I don't know per year, total sales for the year. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's not like total profit or anything like that, sure. uh, yep. okay. but 
but still, I mean, for one restaurant, like for one, one building, one, yeah, one <laughs> building, and the staff that we were pushing out and the food we were doing, I mean, you can't tell me that you couldn't be paying your managers more than you know, forty what forty three thousand dollars, forty four thousand dollars. Sorry, so you have some insider knowledge that obviously you can't totally share, but what is the margin like at that fourteen million dollar a year in revenue restaurant? Uh, I I don't totally know that number because to be honest, I wasn't I wasn't ever high enough on the scale where like I really needed to dive into the P and L and be looking at stuff like that. Gotcha. Um, completely, I was more just worried about learning how to control like my costs, labor, and food. Gotcha. Because okay. um, that you know that was kind of the focus there. Um, but I mean, I know there have been times just by you know seeing how things went. I mean, dude, we did we used to do over a million dollars in a four week span. A million dollars in a like like one point <laughs> two million dollars of sales in four weeks, month of December. How many how many uh, covers? And I'll let you explain what that means. But how many would you do in a night, like in a busy period? I mean, at the when we were running the best, like this is before I became a chef. It was when I was a, a coordinator, like expoing and stuff. We did th- over a thousand covers, it, from like four p.m. to like what eleven p.m., ten p.m. And like, well, first of all, what's a cover, and then what's a cover context for that? So a cover is like one person. So like you said, a table of four. You know, you, your mom, your sister, and your dad go out to dinner. Mm-hmm. You're a four top. So that's a f- four covers. Got it. So a thousand in a night. And and what is, like, for those who don't have any context, like, what is a, your average restaurant do on a Friday night? I mean, it, it kind of, well, it all depends on how, how, how big your restaurant is. Yeah. And, and kind of, like, kind of that. Like, it's a little hard to judge, but I mean, I would have to say, that like most places probably like I don't know anywhere from five five hundred to seven hundred maybe. <laughs> so during a four week stretch, you're like thirty percent, almost fifty percent more than usual. But I mean that's just because we had such a solid crew front and back that like we never hit hiccups. You know what I mean? Like we were able to be solidly booked and still take walk ins and seat them and flip the dining room. You know three or four times. Jeez. You know, <laughs> That's but beastly. and mind you, on top of that, that count, that thousand covers happened while we were still probably doing, I don't know, three to four or five banquets at the same time on the other side of the building. Gotcha. So that number yeah. doesn't even cover your banquet covers. Well, part of the same crew. Okay. Like there'll be banquet cooks and stuff, but the dishwasher's still the same. Yeah. You know, and the chefs are still worrying about it. Yeah. You know, so it could it could definitely screw things up if that side decides to go down yeah for sure because now you're bogging down the other side so i i i think economics plays a little bit into this but it's but it's a good question ryan that you were asking about like well do the economics actually make sense because you know i mentioned consulting and how that that pay scale is ridiculous but i also have seen you know the margins in consulting and they're absurd i mean it like they're making money hand over fist and they still can you know pay these people astronomical sums of money but when you're billing when you're billing like a 35 year old person out at $500 an hour mm. i mean you can you can see how well all right even with all the labor and the overhead and all that stuff you can um i i i mean the margins in restaurants are 
I think the conventional wisdom is that they are low. Yes. Which makes sense because it's a hyper-competitive sphere. Anyone can pretty much open a restaurant. It's not right. saying that it's easy to do, but it's it's relatively easy to open a restaurant as opposed to establish a financial institution that is competitive. But I think that kind of speaks to the fact that, I mean, my understanding of a cook's life, anyone in the kitchen, the back of house, let's say, and it's such a transient job because you know you can get a job somewhere else. Like you, like you said pretty early on, Eric. Like, oh, you want to work broiler for me to meet tomorrow? Come on over. Like, you're, you'd you yeah. be ready to hire almost anyone. I mean, this is an over-exaggeration. But because there's Slightly, so much turnover, yes. it's right. just in, built into the machine because restaurants can't typically offer elevated pay. They're always going to be offering relatively similar pay as the next restaurant. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah they're, they're all always somewhat the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or relatively close. Because otherwise, if you're not, then like, why is anyone going to work at your place? Yeah, you know, they're they're going to go across the street, or they're going to get paid two dollars more. And like, would you turn down a resume if they hadn't completed high school for dishwasher? But like, I mean, yeah, dude. I mean, I've I've hired young people to do that. I mean, I I hired. I'll never forget this man. This kid's name. Uh, we'll just. It was Percy. I'm just gonna go by his first name, Percy, Percy. Jackson. Um, and I'll never forget it. He came in. For an interview, and I think, to be honest, if there was anyone else interviewing them, there was no way in hell that they were going to give Percy the job. Because, I mean, appearance-wise, you know, not the best appearance, a little kind of, you know, a little looks a little down on his luck, you know, kind of this, that, and the other. And, you know, and I'm talking to him, and he hadn't had a job in like four years, five years. Really didn't have a reason why he didn't have a job. Mm-hmm. You know, but That's the thing that he kind of right, yeah. Well, right, totally. But I mean, he's just looking for it to be a dishwasher, and you know, he had some like fast food experience or like the last kind of things he did. But I remember talking to him, and he just kind of, you know, and I'm like, well, I was like, you know what, man? I was like, I want to give you a chance for some reason. When I had that conversation and talked with him and whatever, I was like, you know what, man? Like, I want to give this guy a shot, and. You know, people say what they want or whatever, whoever ends up hearing this, whatever. But, I mean, that guy was looking to get off the streets, man. You know, he lived on the west side of Chicago in a really bad neighborhood where there was just bad stuff going on. And he decided to make the choice of, I need to try to get a job and I need to try to make money the right way. You know, and I need to try to do stuff for my kids and try to do the right thing. And, you know, obviously he didn't tell me that. But, you know, I gave him the opportunity and, you know, he, unfortunately, after things happened, he ended up getting fired or whatever um, after my, I left. But, you know, I always remember, man, he always he's always was grateful. He was always grateful for the fact that, you know, he I gave him an opportunity, you know, and I gave him that chance. And it's, it's a it's a it's a crazy industry to be in, man, because he had no credentials. You know, he had no resume. He had nothing to go on, you know. But in the end of the day, it's like, dude, you're just going to scrub dishes, dude. You know, like basic stuff. And, like, if you can listen to me and do what, you know, you're asked to do and work hard, I got no problem. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, the next thing you know, dude, I ended up having, like, dude, I ended up having, like, six or seven of his buddies all got a job working for me. And they all got off the streets. And they all tried to do the right thing. You know, and it, it was it was really kind of cool, dude. Like to give someone that opportunity to do to do the right thing, it was it was pretty neat. 
Yeah. I, I mean, my experience with restaurant people is always, if you want to meet a cast of characters, make friends with the back of house, make friends with the front of house, whatever, whichever side Oh, yeah. It. I mean, it's, you'll, yeah, dude, we're all a bunch of weird, a bunch of, I mean, Anthony Bourdain always said it best. Any, any description that he ever said about a kitchen is true. And you got similar characters that no matter what kitchen you go into, man, you got, you know, the real hardcore guys, you got the goofy guy. You got, I mean, you got all sorts of cast of characters, and it's it's what makes it fun and exciting, you know. And that's why I realized I fit in when you know when I got into a kitchen because I was like, dude, I'm I'm a goofy kid, man, you know, like, <laughs> and I could be myself and I could cook food and I could like you know kind of have a purpose and a drive, like hell yeah, you know what I mean? Like this is this is exactly what I'm meant to do. Very neat experience. A lot of a lot of crazy stuff. All the stories are true, by the way, <laughs> that, that, that they talk about in the restaurant world. Man, I mean, it's you know that you know you read stuff. They talk about rock and roll, or you know, chefs are just you know they're rock stars, but they cook instead of play music. I mean, all of it's true, man. All of it. So it's funny talking to you because the more you talk about this lifestyle, the more it's evident that you love it and that you have like a second family in it. Oh, totally. So, but you're also started by saying, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Correct. Because I think my priorities have changed. Okay. I I think it's one of those, like, you know, when I got into cooking and doing stuff like that, you know, I was a single dude, not really quite sure. I was sure about what I kind of wanted to do once I kind of settled into restaurants, but you know, that's just kind of what I did. And like, I was really good at it and I had a lot of fun and I made a lot of progress in a very short period of time. Uh, you know, thanks to a certain chef that I met, we'll call him DFG, I met him <laughs> and he kind of showed me the way, you know, people thought it was politics and this and that, but there was no one better. No one could beat me in that kitchen. I don't care. I was better at any station than anybody, you know? So kind of going through that and seeing it all and living it. And like, I lived a crazy life. Yeah, you did. We lived together during that period. Yeah. We all (laughs) lived together. I mean, we all, and you guys saw it and witnessed it and saw what I was going through and it was crazy. And like now, you know, I'm in a place that's a lot less crazy, a lot less stressful. Like there still has it, but it's much more manageable, but you know, I'm about to be a father and You know, I think the biggest thing for me, and I always told myself, was my biggest fear. This was my biggest number one fear getting into restaurants was if I met someone that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with and ultimately start a family, being a chef in a restaurant is going to make that situation very difficult Mm -hmm. for many, many, many reasons. We've talked about a few of them, schedule you know, all sorts of stuff like that. But that was my number one fear, you know? And when I was 23 years old or 26, you know, when I started really starting to be a chef, I, that didn't matter because I didn't have that, you know, I didn't have that that family aspect that I really wanted to have and, and be more a part of, you know? But I always told myself, I'm never going to be the dad that's not around. Mm. You know, and I didn't, Mm -hmm. I personally didn't experience that. I came from a very good family, parents around, always involved in everything like that. You guys know my parents, shout out to them. Um, 
But I always told myself I would never, I would never be that guy, you know. So now I'm kind of at that pinnacle point right now, where I'm about to have a kid and be a father. But I'm still doing, I'm still doing the chef game, you know. So it's kind of sparking a lot of different thoughts and stuff in my head of like, you know, is the life that I'm living right now the sustainable thing that I want to continue to do in this capacity? Do you think that, so you got into, you got into this game because you had, you were attracted to a lifestyle that not many people are attracted to, right? Like intensity. Yes. You know, I could believe me. I was attracted to the idea of it, but as soon as I saw it, I'm like, nope, can't do it. Yeah, totally. You know, you're, I'm sure you're not the first person to have this problem. If I want to have a kid, I want to be around. And it's a challenge within that industry. It's a huge challenge. Do you think that it's, do you think the industry could, could change and be a little bit more friendly to a work life balance? Cause you said it yourself, like, you know, when you were in your twenties, your life was cooking, Mm -hmm. but my life was, you know, elements of some parts of my career. My life was, was what I was doing, but like not all the time. Yeah. You, You know what I mean? No, that's a good question. I think. Oh man. Um that's a really good one. I think there's I think there's ways that probably could be explored to make it a little more feasible and a little less stressful maybe. I mean, I think the big thing to be honest is just the hours, man. Like the hours and the days that you need to be there cuz your conventional weekends don't exist. You know? Like if you're if you're a father or a mother, Right. And you work Mm. in a kitchen, you know, the usual days where families together, you're not, you know, so you have to you have to be really flexible, man. You got to you got to find the time and make the time. You know, I love my wife to death and I'm super glad that she's been able to deal with, you know, the the, ultimately the career that I chose. It does not make things easy. Yeah. Mm -mm. You know, there's a to be honest, it affects I feel like it affects more people probably harder than it affects me mm, yes absolutely. you know like like sarah like sarah going to all these family events with her family and i'm not there right because yeah. i'm working yeah you know and by family events you mean like thanksgiving dinner yeah totally <laughs> absolutely but even as small as like you know the summertime oh on saturday we're gonna go have barbecue at the parents yeah but or as formal and meaningful as a, a Thanksgiving holiday with your family. Yeah. We don't have those, you know, like those don't exist. So that's where the people you work with be, be, be it's a crazy bond. Mm-hmm. I, I would, I would really kind of like the only comparison I can have, like Dave, you did, you know, swimming when you were younger and we're on like a swim team and Ryan, you did sports too. But I feel like, the camaraderie you have on a very competitive sports team mm-hmm. is a very special thing, but I think it it rivals that of a relationship you have with a good, obviously a positive relationship, but a relationship you have with someone in the kitchen. Yeah, because it it becomes something more than that because you're spending what should be very quality time with the people you really care about. You're spending with these you know ragtag bunch of crazies. You know. <laughs> yep cooking food and serving food to people. So, mm-hmm. you know, it becomes important really in my time 
one of the most important things is who you work with. Yeah. You know, maybe not so much the concept or the the people up top that you work for, but so much more meaning on the people you work with. Yeah, who are you in the trenches with, basically? Right. And, you know, who's your GM and who's, you know, these, that's a really important thing right now. And luckily, I feel like I found a pretty good group of people currently where we're all very different. Um, but we all get get along very well, and we're all we're all very compassionate. I think that's the thing uh, that tends to lack some people in the in the world, really. But especially in the restaurant business, is having some empathy or compassion for another. And uh, you know, I think that goes a really long way.